Welcome everyone to Moving Mountains. Today's guest has served hundreds of clients over his 17 years as a financial advisor. As a second generation immigrant from Thailand, he has experienced firsthand the value of education, hard work, and a positive mindset in achieving financial success. His very first clients were his own parents who inspired him to pursue a career in finance through their own careful and considered approach to money management. It was through sitting in on their financial discussions that he developed the listening skills that have become his professional calling card. Help me welcome today's guest, Bob Chitrathorn. Welcome, Bob, to Moving Mountains. Hi, thanks for having me. Today, we're going to explore the world of the financial industry. You are the founder of Simplified Wealth Management. And as a financial advisor who's been practicing for almost two decades, how were you introduced to your career path? Well, oddly enough, I... I believe I was introduced to my career path when I was a very young age, if you will. Um, I just remember, you know, parents arguing about, about money, uh, which is pretty much the same all over the world, right? And one day I broke this glass vase jar, had no idea if it was expensive or not. I wasn't worried about getting in trouble. I was more concerned about, you know, if that was going to cause an argument over money for my parents because they had to go buy a new one, this and that. And, you know, I remember that point in time um, specifically because many years uh, later when I was in high school, some of the things I started doing to kind of become an entrepreneur and generate income, it all kind of revolved, you know, around that um, that moment in time that stuck out of my mind to try to, you know, earn more income. And then also at that point was like, hey, what can I start doing, you know, when I go to college? What am I going to do? How do I make the world a better place? How can I help people? And it all just came down to what can I do to help people relax on their finances so that they don't have to worry about it? You credit your parents for teaching you money management skills as a kid. What were some of those principles? Uh, well, I'll tell you the, the principle that sticks out of my mind the most is uh, one thing my mom always taught me. And uh, it wasn't so much in regards to money, but that's where it led to. And that principle was education is money in the bank that no one can ever take away from you. And so, you know, I kind of founded, um, you know, relied on that heavily and just learned as much as I could um, in regards to, you know, just education. But that also led to me learning a lot about finances and learning how to better manage money as well. How has positive mindset helped you navigate your career as well as life? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, positive mindset to me is a lot. It means a lot. And I guess the best way I can articulate that is just imagine if you're having a really bad day and you feel negative and, and you know you're negative. You're trying not to be, but you're just having a bad day and you're just negative. Well, you can look back on that day and probably, you know, realize that you didn't do the most productive things. You weren't uh, the best person you could be. You didn't help make anybody better that day, probably by being negative. But then imagine a day when you're extra happy and uh, positive. 
You know, you can compare the two days. You're, I'm sure everyone's going to notice, well, hey, that positive day, I was able to do more. I felt more productive. I felt like I impacted people's lives more. I was nicer to people. Um, you know, it's night and day. So I try to be positive, um, you know, whenever I can, because I truly believe that almost how we, you know, try to force ourselves to feel, it kind of manifests itself, right? I mean, they put a smile on your face and talk while you're smiling. It's kind of hard to be mad. So positive positivity is a big thing. There are two words that people often misconstrue. It's being rich and wealthy. How are you able to differentiate that? Well, you know what? It's very subjective. Um, even the word wealth or being rich, right? Um, someone could say that, hey, you know, this person is rich when really they mean that, you know, they just have a little bit more money than said person making that comment, right? Um, so I just take everything off the table when I talk about rich or wealthy. And, you know, I think wealthy is kind of the better um, term to use because I feel that it kind of puts everybody in the same um, bubble, if you will, to compare apples to apples. Uh, like, again, I said, you know, hey, this person is more rich than you. Well, maybe that just means they have more money than you. But because if they have more money than you, does that mean they're living a good life? No, because they could have more money than you. They can make more money than you, but their expenses can be dwindling everything away where they can only live for another year and a half or two until they're upside down, right? So rich is very subjective. Whereas I think wealthy means that you're able to live the lifestyle that you want. You're able to do the things that you want. And it doesn't have to be everything you want, right? It could just be living a mediocre lifestyle, just being able to pay your bills and be on top of things and enjoy life. That is wealth in itself, right? Now, everybody can have different um, ideas of wealth. You know, someone says, oh, well, you're not wealthy until you own a helicopter. Well, okay, that person better go own a helicopter and be able to pay for it if that's what they think is wealthy is. But I think it's a lot more simpler than that. And that's just being able to, you know, do what you need to do, pay your bills and live life and be comfortable. Um, that I think is wealthy. At what point in your career path were you prompted to start your own company, Simplified Wealth Management? Well, with Simplified Wealth Management, I had two other partners were 33% owners each. And we have actually been working together for almost 19 years now. Uh, we worked at one firm together. Um, you know, and I won't throw any names out there, but it got a little too corporate, if you will. We felt like we weren't able to do what was really best for the client. Uh, we kind of had, you know, guidance and being, you know, geared or showing a certain direction uh, to kind of maybe meet more of a corporate goal than the client's goals. And we realized that once we realized that we didn't really like that. So um, a few people broke off, built another firm. And that's where we were for a little while until we realized, you know, some of the team members on that firm just, you know, we weren't jiving correctly, right? Not everybody's values were aligned. So me and the other two um, partners now decided that, hey, you know what, we need to make change and make sure that we're working with people, um, you know, as coworkers and colleagues where our values align. And this way it makes it easier to find clients and work with clients that we also share similar values. It, it makes life a lot more fun. And it makes me enjoy my career 10 times as much, right? When you're working with people that you guys share the same values and you, the people that you're helping share the same values, it, it just, it's, it's unexplainable how great it is. And simplified wealth management does take pride in being a values-based wealth management firm. The values happen to be simplified wealth and management 
Finance happens to be a very broad term. How are you able to simplify the concept to help the clients reach their objective? Analogies, analogies, analogies. And let me give you an example. Um, explaining different financial concepts can be complex, right? And so one of the things I like to tell people is, you know, when you're looking at investments, there's different types of investments regarding the IRS tax rules and regulations and just uh, products themselves. But whenever I talk with a client, I like to use analogies um, so I can help them understand, you know, what is going to be better and why. So here's, let's take an example. Okay. For example, teachers, county workers, a lot of them have a 43 uh, b or 457, you know, they have a specific investment. Anyway, they're only allowed to use so many different options. Well, if you actually pick the right company, your options could become unlimited where you can actually invest in pretty much almost anything out there. And a lot of people just don't know that. So I share that with them and I just use uh, an analogy of cars. You know, imagine if you had three cars in your garage, it doesn't matter what cars they are, just pick three cars in your garage and you know, you're going to drive them for the rest of your life. Um, and you can change them for newer models, but those are the three cars you're going to have forever. Now imagine if you had a hundred car garage, how much more efficient would your drive be? Well, it depends where you're driving, right? You can drive up the mountains. You can go on the back roads. If you're going on a straightaway, you can get, take your fast car. It just gives you more options. So I use analogies when explaining pretty much almost anything when it comes to financial topic, because it makes it more relatable and easier uh, to understand. What is interesting is you guys also teach your clients how people can start making stress-free financial decisions. And we all know that for most people, money is a hot topic and it can lead to a lot of stress in different aspects of people's lives, not only physically, but in relationships. So how do you make it stress-free? Well, I try to make finance stress-free. I always tell people, I make a joke about it. Um, at some point in our professional career, when I'm working with a client, there is a point where I feel like I'm a marriage counselor, not licensed to be one, don't get me wrong, right? But, you know, people are just different. So I always try to find that middle ground, you know, uh, from my experience over the last 18 years, there's usually going to be one person who is um, more of a spender and there's going to be one person who's more of a saver, right? And they just usually follow one person, whoever has, you know, that's just how it happens. Usually they're following one person more than the other in regards to that. So I just tell people, I mean, let's just take the basic concept. Don't save money as much money as you can, because you may think, hey, I got to save so I can live many, many more days in my retirement. But what happens if you don't make it to retirement for whatever reason? You don't want to penny pinch and then not be able to enjoy your life. Vice versa, on the other spectrum, you don't want to um, spend every dollar you have thinking, hey, what if, what if tomorrow never happens? Well, with that kind of attitude, what if tomorrow happens for another 30 years? What happens when you don't work anymore? Right. So I kind of bring that into perspective and I just teach them very common concepts. Hey, what are you doing right now with work? Oh, let's just say two people are working and they don't put into the 401k um, because for whatever reason, they're just afraid of saving. Well, I just show them, hey, well, if you put a little money into your 401k, it may not even hurt you that much because of it being pre-tax. You may not even feel that much of a pinch. Right. It's like, hey, you save a hundred dollars. It might just be like you saving 65 or 70. Right. So it's all about little tiny concepts and little tiny educational things that can be put into place easily. You got to take baby steps one step at a time. Earlier, you mentioned that your company takes a team based approach. 
how do you guys reach a consensus when as a professional, you might have a different solution for a client? Do you always agree on the suggestions that you offer to the client? So when we take a team approach, what we do is we may have questions about, hey, okay, you know, this is one of my clients and this is what we're doing, you know, and I have my uh, colleagues take a look and see if they have any additional suggestions. And so whatever the suggestions are, we always will consider them, bring them to the table, bring them to the table with our client and talk more about it. Because once we talk more about it with our clients, once we have the options, right, we get a better understanding from the client side as well. Because sometimes uh, it's not a perfect world, but just because something could be the most financial, um, the better financial decision for a person's finances, but not necessarily make it the best decision because what if it makes them uncomfortable or what if it makes them scared? So we need to learn these things because if you try to do the best you can and you do it the way you think is the best, but it doesn't jive with your clients, it's going to scare your clients and they may freeze and end up doing something that's going to hurt them more than help them. So we always want to you know, take this team approach, look at all the angles, uh, get everybody's perspectives and then re-speak with our clients and go over the option. Who is the ideal type of client that you like to work with? The ideal type of client that I like to work with, well, I know it sounds cheesy, but I literally help, I love helping people. I sometimes spend, you know, 30 to 45 minutes a day probably uh, helping two or three people that aren't even going to be clients at this point in time. Uh, they'll probably come clients two, three years down the road, but I just want to help people get to a better position. But if you had to speak about my ideal type of client, I work with a lot of people in the medical profession, uh, nurses and doctors. I work with a lot of, uh, you know, uh, first call responders as well, firefighters, police officers, um, other people in that type of industry. And then I also work with a lot of business owners. Uh, with business owners, there's lots of things that you can do that literally makes a dramatic, tangible impact and only takes a couple hours um, over the course of getting things done, where literally businesses can see that, hey, just by doing that little tiny tweak that didn't hurt them, didn't spend much time on it, now they're going to save money year over year over year. So I really like, like showing business um, owners that type of strategies as well. And from a client perspective, Bob, are there any green and red flags that a client should look for when shopping around for a wealth management firm? Yeah, uh, what I tell people is you always want to talk to two or three people right? Um, so you want to make sure you talk to two or three different individuals. You want to make sure you get someone that fits your personality. Just because someone could be quote unquote, the smartest or best financial advisor doesn't mean they're going to be the best for you. If your personalities don't match, you might end up getting a financial divorce later down the road. That does not help the client whatsoever because that now puts a kind of a, a wall or a bad taste in your mouth, if you will. And then you could run into the best financial advisor for you as a client, but just have these, you know, bad taste, bad emotions, and not end up doing anything with that new person because of a bad experience. So I always say you want to talk to two or three different advisors and just get a feel for their personality and then get a feel for how they operate and see if they're a good educator for you, right? We all went to school and we all realized that, hey, one teacher could have been great for somebody else, but maybe just wasn't that great for you. You didn't learn that much from that person. Well, it all goes to how we conversate on our personalities. So I always say, you know, you want to talk to two or three other individuals. If you don't, that's a little bit of a red flag. Um, I would also say that, you know, when you interview individuals to work with, you know, look at the look at their background. Um, look what company they've been with. What have they done all their careers? Right. I mean, a financial advisor 
who's been a financial advisor for many years is different than a financial advisor who, you know, had 10 different jobs and then finally decided to get credentials to become a financial advisor. You know, you might not someone might not want someone who's brand new in the field without any type of background or education in finances. So you definitely want to look at that. Um, you know, a red flag, if you ask about a financial advisor's fees and they try to circumvent that, that's a huge red flag. You know, you always want someone who's going to be upfront and transparent about how their fees work and the different types of fee structures. Um, because the last thing you want to have is a feeling of, hey, is this financial advisor only commission-based, therefore telling me to do this because it pays the most commission? You don't want that in the back of your head. So you really want someone who's going to be upfront, transparent, so you know exactly um, you know, what it's costing you and what value you're getting out of it. That's the only way you can make a good decision. The common man may be wondering, does he or she need to be making X amount of money in order to start shopping around for wealth management? Or is this allegedly reserved for a certain economic strata? Uh, well, if you have a financial advisor who cares, I don't think it matters how much money you make. Because again, I talk, I care. I literally care a lot about doing what I do. I have a passion for it. I love helping people. I have this thing that I feel like, you know, if I can help somebody, even if we don't work together, but help them a little bit with financial planning and it puts them in a better position, I feel it's going to make them more positive, more happy. Therefore, they're able to help other people as well and just have kind of this ripple effect of great positivity moving forward. So, you know, in regards to how much money should you have saved or how much money can you save? Um, I think if you get a good financial advisor, it's not going to matter. They'll be able to help you somehow one way um, or another. Even if you guys don't work together, it might just be, hey, you know what? Why don't you start trying to do to do, do this? This might save you some money, right? It may allow you to use those dollars for other things. Even though you can't save money, but you have other expenses that need to be met, well, maybe they can help keep you out of debt. I mean, that's that's still a win in my book. You know, you're still in a better position than where you were. Bob, in the last 17 years as an entrepreneur and financial advisor, how do you feel the financial industry, the landscape has evolved? Has it become better or has it become worse? Oh, man, that's a that's a tough question. Um, honestly, I'm going to say I'm not quite sure uh, if I had to speak for everybody else. Um, I have always kind of done the same structure and have always had the same personality as I do now, and that's just to help people. And so I can tell you what I've seen over the years is I used to see a lot of commissions type products out there. And I can see that, hey, this was done because of that reason. Um, I see, I still see quite a bit of that. Um, not as much, but I still see a lot of that. So I, I honestly don't know if the financial world in regards to, you know, advisors out there, if people are actually doing better or worse or um if it's maybe the same, just what comes across my table, I feel like it's kind of the same thing I've seen for years, right? I sometimes see clients that have pretty good handle on the financial situation. Um, everything is going pretty good. They like their advisor. Things look pretty well. They just don't, you know, have enough conversations with them. Uh, or sometimes I'll get someone that just has an overwhelmed, like you look at their portfolio and you just know they were sold things left and right. In the 15 years, for example, we have witnessed the financial meltdown of 2008 and in the recent years, the pandemic. From where you sit, do you feel people have taken a more proactive approach in how they reevaluated their priorities and how they want to invest their finances? Yes, 100% agree on that. Um, with that statement, um, I feel that people are more aware of their finances now. 
um, and our understanding that, you know, it, there's that there's a reason people say save for emergency and you'll be shocked. A lot of people don't have money saved for emergency at all. Um, with the pandemic coming around uh, in 2020, I think it's actually helped people um, learn to save more um, over the last three to five years. I've noticed that people do have more money, um, you know, in their savings accounts, especially since 2020. As the founder of Simplified Wealth Management, from an entrepreneurial perspective, when you launched your company, what were the opportunities that you recognized and were there any hurdles in the market that you needed to jump over? Well, there's always hurdles when opening up your own firm, right? Making sure that you um, are going through and working with the right resources that allow you to have the right resource for your clients. I mean, I think the biggest thing, the reason um, I did it and we did it is we just want to be able to have the freedom so that we can do whatever is going to work best for the client, right? We want to be fully independent. We don't want to have to be swayed a certain way for whatever reason. And so by opening up our firm and being fully independent and allowing us to have resources and access to everything out there, it just allows for our clients to have more options. Granted, you know, you can't learn everything and know everything out there, but when you are able to be independent in the sense of having access to be able to use and utilize all the things and resources out there, I think it's going to make for a better client experience and it's going to help us help clients better. Bob, you attribute your success partially to your developing listening skills. When you're speaking to prospective clients, what do you do your best to listen to and recognize? I just let them talk. I let them talk about you know their upbringing. I let them talk about uh, you know what they like to spend their time on. You know, I try to understand what's important to them because everybody can say, "Hey, I want more money," but what does that really mean? Oh, I want more money. That's great, but really, what are you going to spend the money on? What is that money for? Is that money for financial independence? Is that to send your kids to college? Is that to make sure that you can go traveling? Right? I listen for those type of things, their goals, and what they want to do, and then I work from those things because again. It's not just about money. Money is the same term as, you know, how we talked about earlier. It's like rich, but wealthy is being able to do the things you want to do. And so when I really understand what a client wants to do and why money is important to them or why putting their kids through college is important to them, um, that allows us to build a different type of financial plan that I think holds more of a core value within their own value system. And when it's part of their core values, it's easier to follow a financial plan um, because it's it's not just tied to a dollar sign. It's tied to family. It's tied to goals. It makes it more meaningful. Some people view money to be a tool from a positive light. And then there are those that are a bit suspicious of it, that money may be a bad thing. It distracts. When you're working with clients, are you able to see a shift in how they start viewing their money over time? Yes, I do. Um, In regards to some people viewing money as a great thing or some viewing it as a destructive thing, I mean, that's always going to depend on who you're talking to and how they view money. Uh, but from a personal client uh, perspective, you know, a lot of people are afraid of money. They're afraid of wasting money. They're afraid of looking at their finances. They're afraid of looking at what they actually spend their money on because they're going to realize, and they know they're going to realize that they spend more money um, on things they don't really need to. But at the same time, they're afraid that if you stop spending money on those things, you're not going to be able to enjoy life. So what I teach my clients to do is compromise. You know, let's let's find some little baby step that we can work on. You know, let's say you buy, you know, seven coffees a day or not a day, seven coffees a week. 
well, how about this? Let's just compromise. And can you just take coffee to work one day this week? Try that. And you do that for a month. After you do that for a month, usually you're going to find out that, hey, cutting off that one Starbucks wasn't that big of a deal, right? And then once you understand that, hey, you can make these little shifts a little at a time, it allows you to do more, right? If you try to cut back on too many things or do too many things all at once, it's going to hurt you more. You're going to feel it more, right? It becomes um, more counterproductive. But if you do them a little bit at a time, and then let's just say, you know, again, a small example, but you're saving that $7 a week now, right? $28 a month for say. And if you're putting that into your savings account, yeah, it's not really, you know, growing all that fast. But once you hit $100, you're going to realize, hey, I wouldn't have $100 if I didn't do this. And then, we can, and then you can start building on that and then also start investing in, you know, building for retirement and just going um, to the next level, if you will. But that's one of the hurdles that a lot of people have. They're just afraid to look um, at their finances. You know, even if they have money saved in other type of plans, they're okay making that more efficient. But budgeting is probably one of the most difficult things for people to do. But at the same time, once you do it, it becomes very, very easy to improve your financial situation. How do you deal with circumstances where a couple, two individuals make up a relationship and both of these individuals are hard-headed in compromising and budgeting? Is there a way for them to compromise and reach a truce? Yeah, there is actually, and it's difficult, but when they sh- if they share joint finances, uh, when I come across hard-headed individuals where they completely have two different ideas of finances, um, majority of them actually will probably have separate accounts. It just tends to be that way. Rarely do I see that, you know, they're hard-headed and one wants to save, the other doesn't want to save. Rarely will they have joint accounts because they're going to keep arguing, right? One's going to keep spending and the other one's going to keep keep wanting to save. So usually in that situation, you know, I'll talk to them and find out which one is, you know, kind of get them to where, hey, you know what? I want to keep spending. I don't want to change my lifestyle. Okay, that is you, um, spouse one. Spouse two wants to save more. Okay, then I'll talk to spouse two about saving and you know building a foundation, and then get them to agree that hey, spouse two can do what they want to do with the money, and then spouse one will do what they want to do with you know their portion of the money, and then I'll talk to them again in you know three months, six months, and just kind of have them share their experiences of what's happened over the last three to six months, and we'll probably have to do that again and again, but eventually they end up having a more open conversation at some point in time. Um, and understanding how one has lived versus the other and end up starting to kind of blend their hard-headedness a little bit. And finally, Bob, you also hold life, health, and long-term care insurance licenses. What are these insurances and how can they benefit prospective clients? Well, when you're building a financial plan, there's lots of things that can ruin a financial plan, right? So it's very important to protect your financial plan Uh, and not just to protect your financial plan, but, you know, to protect your family. If you have young children, and you know you're making a good income and you're saving for your financial future that's great but probably more likely than not is your asset base is probably um you know not that high at this point in time so if something were to happen to the main breadwinner where is the money going to come for the rest of the family to live you need to think about those things so that's where life insurance um comes into play it's kind of protect that accumulation phase if you will and then also when it comes to you know the fact that you're about to retire and let's say you built wealth, you know, you've built $1.5 million. Well, if a long-term care situation happens and we're not prepared for it, we don't have that protected, how are you going to pay for it? It's going to come from your assets. And what if the person's stuck in a long-term care situation for nine, 10 years? Well, long-term care is very, very expensive. And then once that long-term care situation is done with, what happens to the spouse that's still living, 
right? So you really want to take a look at all those things and make sure that a plant is protected. And um, more often than not, you need to make sure you have um, it planned out, whether it's going to be money out of your own investments and your stockpile that's going to pay for these things. And if you don't have enough, then you better have a contingency plan. And that's where, you know, the life health and uh, long-term care comes into play. Finally, you're welcome to share with audiences any new initiatives you're working on and how they can contact you. Yeah, uh, you can easily contact me. I mean, uh, my contact information is at www.planwithbobinfo.com. Again, that's www.planwithbobinfo.com. All my contact information is there. And my initiative moving forward is right now I'm trying to incorporate helping people um make a huge difference in their family's lives. Um, and so one of the things I like to do is, you know, make sure that we can help and assist you in making sure you have a durable power attorney. You know, that's something a lot of families don't have. And I believe everybody 18 or older should have. And the reason being is because if you can't make your own financial or health decisions, who's going to decide who makes those for you? Well, having a durable power attorney is going to help you. Um, so one of my objectives uh, for 2023 is I am not an attorney, not an estate attorney. You have to see an attorney to get these things properly done uh, or someone who can prepare them. But one of the things I'm focused on is making sure that I help all my clients, uh, current and future clients, make sure they have that in place because it is a big deal. Thank you, Bob, for joining us on Moving Mountains. Thank you very much for having me. Have a great day.